Hey, are you looking to upgrade your key life areas and evolve to a higher level of existence? To practically harness personal growth and spirituality in a crazy, busy, imperfect world? Then you've come to the right place. My name is Prash and this is Urban Spirituality, the show which uniquely fuses ancient wisdom with contemporary self-growth and spiritual disciplines to deliver value-adding tools, traits, and insights to help you unleash your fullest potential. We always keep it real, featuring authentic, unfiltered dialogue with guests from diverse backgrounds to inspire, entertain, and enlighten all who listen. So get ready for your dose of urban spirituality. Be present and let's dive in. So we began this conversation, it was just a conversation that we were having about creating change and how we are conditioned from such a young age, um, particularly in the culture that you grow up in. And it kind of forms this identity that you begin to operate from. So Mm. there are many things, I mean, everyone will have something from their cultural background, whether it's um, your religious beliefs, whether it's traditional things like your traditions, and that really impacts how you see the world, how you perceive the world. And so when you fast forward a few years and you're trying to create change, that can, that can be bumping up against you. And I, I hear mm. it so often in the healing, spiritual and wellness community about self-sabotage. And it's, so much. I don't see it as being self-sabotage as much as it's so easy to slide back into that cultural identity. And from that lens, it can feel like you're betraying culture when you're creating change that is maybe not widely accepted. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's ruffling some feathers. So what would you say to that, Prash? I think that I think there is um, a sort of sabotage. I, I, I'd refer to it as cultural self-sabotage. Our culture shapes us. I think there's no doubt about that. All of us, whichever culture we come from, right, Russ? We're, our culture shapes us. But what happens is... Um, not only does our culture shape us and define us, it, it helps to drive our values, our beliefs, our goals, the kind of people that we want to hang out with, the kind of relationships that we want to have, our relationships to money, to people. And I know, Russ, you know this super, supremely well, having gone through some challenges. So when we step, so when we want to make progress in our life, I feel that sometimes our cultural beliefs and our cultural background can sometimes support us, but it can also sabotage us. And it's a double-edged sword. And I think it often comes down to a lack of awareness about how our cultural beliefs and values are actually shaping so much of our decision-making and the choices that we make and even the mistakes that we make and the pain that we cause other people knowingly or unknowingly. Would you do you have any examples that pop into your mind of the things that you you see when you're working with your clients? Like what are the typical things that you tend to see um, when somebody is creating change and then they get stuck? Yeah, I think look, look, when somebody is creating change and they get stuck, I think a lot of things happen. There are a lot of things going on. Like, for example, one of the things that are going on is that people feel people feel that they can't be themselves. There is this sort of imposter syndrome. And I know, you know, this kind of ties nicely. And in fact, we did a live, of course, on this some time ago on our inner critic, and we touched on some of these subjects. 
I think a lot of times what happens is imposter syndrome, imposter syndrome kicks in. It's almost like we feel like we don't deserve this. We shouldn't do this because it's a cultural thing. So, for example, I think one of the things that I've had with some of the Indian clients that I've worked with is a certain type of um, scarcity mindset. You know, that look, there's just not enough. And it's a it's actually specifically it's a poverty mindset. It's like, hey, um, you know, everything is really hard to come by. My parents had to scrimp and scrape to make ends meet. My grandparents had to do that. They always had it hard. I had to wear hand-me-downs. Um, my parents always taught me to save, save, save. They always said, get a really secure, stable job. So you can see just by interacting with clients how their entire outlook on life and their relationship with money and their relationship with the risks they're willing to take and the opportunities that they're willing to explore all seem to be tied with all this stuff that was given to them when they were young. What about you? You know this, yeah. right? I mean, I see very similar patterning and what I what I see a lot is because the clients I tend to work with, they're somehow connected to different countries, just like I am. So I was born in Kenya, just like you were, but raised in the UK, Indian by descent, you know. And so we have a mixture of all of these things going on. So it's like subconsciously, it's like, which culture do you even fit? Do you even fit in, right? Right. So growing up, I would say to my mum when I was very young, like, I feel like a mongrel when I'm in Kenya. I feel like I'm an outsider because I'm from the UK. When I moved from Kenya back to the UK, I felt like I was an outsider because I was from. Right. But then then you've got the Indians who are like, well, you're a traitor. You're, you're not you're not an Indian either. I've never actually been to India in, in my whole life yet. So it's like where do i fit in and there's this where yeah identity crisis as well that can be going on yeah totally i think that's the identity crisis happens and that feeds in i think you've got the identity crisis which culture do you belong to um but i do i do honestly think that a lot of it becomes therefore confusing for the individual that am i indian am i british um and which norms do i say but i think the people that we hang around with and the people that we grew up with play a big part in which cultural orientation we therefore end up taking. Absolutely. And I think sometimes the problem arises that we have a clash where we've been raised in an Indian culture. Let's say, let's take a real life example, right? Real life example, um, we've been raised in an Indian culture to be such that we find um, a nice job, get a good to do a good to do a good degree, get a nice job and marry somebody of your same race, religion or culture. Like she's got to be Indian. Um, and in fact, if you're Hindu, she's got to be Hindu. If you're Muslim, she had better be Muslim. Don't be marrying. And if you're Gujarati, she better be Gujarati. So there's all these definitions. And yet here are people every single day in every single country who might be Indian, but falling in love with somebody from a different culture, from a different race. And it's a beautiful, real, natural thing. And now you've got a clash because you've got your family and your background saying, hey, you can't do that because they don't believe you. They don't understand your culture. You can't do this. And yet your heart is saying something here your head and your background is saying there your conditioning so you get this clash right i mean you must have seen this with the people that you work with and i know you know with the people that you interact with right russ i mean yeah growing up or it's not even just that like for me personally it wasn't even just that you had to get someone who was Sikh. for me it was then you're looking at the cost and right. Right cost. And I'm fortunate that my family wasn't that way inclined. However, 
it still exists you know they they still have this caste system and it's all based on this hierarchy and that brings me really nicely to this point of this is why i personally believe it's so so important to address these things and not glaze over them which is what i have seen in the wellness community in the spiritual community of um you know just love and light and being positive and you just reframe a belief and there you go right. and yeah it's all really useful mm. up until a point up until and a point comes like what about the cultural stuff what about the stuff that's so ingrained it's unconscious and your body is literally reacting to it so right right i think that i think that's the thing you know that you start to feel it inside your body your gut it shows up in the way you then respond and i think a lot of negative emotions then start to show up when you start to feel that your your cultural upbringing or the cultural the values that you've now attributed to your culture are now being tested or challenged because on the one hand you've got the value that i should marry within my caste and religion and this and that and race and you've got somebody over here who's a beautiful soul uh, who just happens to be of a different color race religion and now you you're kind of torn and that creates a sort of cognitive dissonance it creates clash and you can't then as you say just be well just be happy and positive and everything's going to be all right you, you just can't take that way you have to now start being really bold and you have to interrupt your cultural conditioning i mean i know we're going to get onto some tips um in a little bit but you know you gotta interrupt that cultural conditioning and ask yourself well wait a second what are my values and have i mistakenly or accidentally conflated my values with what my culture tells me and that's not to say that our cultural values or beliefs or conditioning is wrong or useless it's just like you've got to know which parts i'll say i'll quote bruce lee you take what's useful you reject what's not and you add your own spin move yeah, forward i love that <laughs> so as we're as we're talking about this i would love to hear your um experiences if you've ever experienced this and i'll share with you an experience that i had um personally myself so we spoke about you know we, we have this tick box thing almost like you you study 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 you get that little piece of paper you get a good job with a degree and then you go and get married and then you have your children and blah 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 Right. So I, I kind of did that. I was a good girl. I did exactly what I was told and right. did it in, in a timely fashion. And then it got to I for those of you who don't know, I'm actually a, a pharmacist by training. And then I got bored. Like bored out of my brain. <laughs> I, it was so monotonous and I didn't know it back then because I didn't understand it from the lens of the energy work that right. I understand now. But what I know now is that I am designed, my energy, my unique flows, they're designed Design. to be shifting and changing. And I'm not supposed to be doing just the so one. true. I'm like a chameleon. I'm supposed to be responding to what's going on around me in that season of my life. And most, right. people, most people are wired that way. But this is where the conditioning comes in because the safe thing, stick to that thing because it's bringing the money. Right. Stick to that thing because it's a post that gives you status in society. Right. That's cultural conditioning right there. Exactly. And so when I was trying to 
do something else. I remember thinking, well, I don't have anything because I've spent my whole life gearing towards pharmacy. All my work experience was pharmacy. Everything was pharmacy. And so when I was thinking, I can't do anything else apart from pharmacy, what else can I do? I was really struggling to find something. And I eventually did. I found um, swimming was my next passion. And I thought, okay, let's open a baby swimming business. And at the time, because I had my daughter, that was still a radical thing where everyone was like, what? right, you're going to quit pharmacy to open up a baby swimming business. Like that was bad enough, right? Yeah, that was bad enough. They still could understand that because it, they understood that I had a child and now, oh, now because I'm a woman, I've had a child and I'm supposed can... to stop my career to look after the child. And so even though there was a little bit of resistance, it was okay because it was still within the confines of that said conditioning. Yeah. And then yeah. I, I saw very quickly, this just wasn't my jam. Like I loved it and it just wasn't lighting me up. And so after a year, I decided to open up Divine Sacred Soul, what I'm doing now and really come out of my spiritual closet, really do what yeah. I'm passionate about. Yeah. And of course, the cultural stuff came up right in right like it just oh my gosh i battled for a year like can i do this i felt all the feels the guilt the shame because now i'm what how can i put i left pharmacy then i've left this and like that's two failures um and now i'm going to start this third thing so there was all of that coming up. There was the imposter syndrome that you talked about, like, who am I to do yeah, this? Yeah, who am I to do this? Yeah. So all of these things, and this is what I'm talking about. Um, they're so unconscious. We don't even realize they're there. And yet we operate and we function from that identity, even though as a person, if you knew me, I've always been a feminist. I've always been pro like everyone being equals and all of that. So on the outset, I'm that's the energy I am. But within my conditioning, my DNA tells me otherwise. My DNA at the time was like, no, your place is in the home looking after your daughter. Your husband should be the one being the main breadwinner. And no, you shouldn't be doing this spiritual stuff. That's for like the special people, the saints, the, the people who have... Uh, meditated on mountains and done whatever you know so there was all of right. this going on right so, you know, yeah and what you're talking about really so powerfully exemplifies the, this problem here the problem that we've got you know we have cultural self-sabotage on a massive scale so badly that people don't even realize that it's happening right under their nose right here it's happening people don't recognize it and they hold themselves back cultural self-sabotage i'll give you a great example i thought for example um and you just shared yours like i had a situation where you know i lost my mom early and <clears throat> my dad was on a very very low income i'm the eldest i have a younger brother that's all three guys in a house with 11,000 coming in um, and it was not a good situation. I wore hand-me-downs, my family were amazing, my extended family, they were very helpful, but we had to carry our weight in our house and pay the bills and do the mortgage. And so very early on, I realized that money is hard to come by. 
it's difficult and then i was obviously surrounded by people who said look you've got to get a good job get a good degree got to earn money and get yourself some really good money and build your status and that became my cultural blueprint because everybody in my family and extended family were doing exactly that so i felt i got to do the same and i did and then fast forward 25 years in my career and i started questioning well what second what a second i'm working my nuts off here for 50 60 hours a week i've got some money in the bank account now why on earth am i exactly doing this and i'm not really happy with what i'm doing so i did a divine sacred soul special right i kind of did a rust breed special i like why am i doing this full time and I set up that thing, mantra therapy, running retreats and events and stuff. And I thought, this gives me fun. That's not really paying my bills, but it's given me great fun. I'm enjoying running retreats, taking people on spiritual journeys and fitness journeys and mental stuff and emotional and then playing music. And I thought, this is fun. I'm enjoying doing this stuff, but it's not paying. And there came a point where I thought, I just want to do more of that. But my cultural conditioning pulled me back pulled me back for another five years and said, no, no, dude, you're getting a good gig here. RBS, HSBC, you're getting the dollar here. You, you know, you got to keep up with all your buddies who got better cars. They got great things. They got that. And even me, you know, I, you know, and I'm, I'm a coach and I got conditioned, right? And it's like, you can't see what you can't see, but it's under your nose. It's too close, right? No. And it takes sometimes somebody like this conversation. It takes conversations like this, like Russ, because now we start to open it up to people. Now we're like, we're prodding you know what we're doing is we're making people feel a little uncomfortable it's the art of the uncomfortable for a higher reason you know i i just i had this saying i shared with people the other day distract positive distraction leads to traction positive distraction leads to traction we got to have some positive distraction to disrupt the situation to create some traction to break away from that cultural conditioning yeah because can you really change what you're not aware of no you can't it's it's you have to confront your truth and this is why i think it's so important to have these conversations when you are creating that change because as i said as people of color it's not just our lived experiences that we have which are going to be different than Absolutely. any other group especially like the the group that i was talking about the immigrants like the children of the immigrants they've had some sometimes some quite traumatic things happening in their genetic line like i i have friends i have family members who were in uganda when Idi Amin, and i don't know if you know what happened with yeah that, right so when Idi Amin sent all the indians packing there was people were separated from their families they didn't know where they were going they didn't have anything but the clothes on their back now that's a traumatic experience they had to literally build themselves up from scratch right from scratch now you may not that may not have happened to you personally but if it's happened to someone in your genetic line there's going to be some transmission in your energetic field so through true. your dna that trauma so true. within you energetically and that that is what may be coming up for you and you don't know what it is and you're busy working on your mindset your mindset you've changed your mindset you've done your affirmations you're you've got the the most beautiful intricate vision board and and i'm saying this from personal experience i did all the things i did all the things the only thing i wasn't doing was addressing this internalized oppression piece wow so what 
was the turning point that allowed you to recognize that that was the that was the piece that was missing and what resulted what positive change happened once you did make that distinction well i can tell you it's an ongoing process i'm still unraveling stuff <laughs> even now and i know that you'll yeah. know this like it's layers right it comes up it in is layers, layers. and the, the first thing i would say is when i first recognized what was actually happening i started to notice patterns because when you when you understand what's happened you can start to notice patterns in your own life and that's what i was seeing so for my family who um they were in india back in the day they ended up somehow they ended up in kenya right yeah east africa like from india family. back in the day and when as as i understood what happened with my ancestors and how we ended up there the traumas that they went through to have left their families so just this is just one example and there's so many layers to this but did they feel safe did they be, feel safe being plucked out of a land that they've grown up in leaving all of their their family and going to this new land where they didn't know anyone they didn't know the language and they just dropped there they were promised all these things and then they weren't the promises weren't delivered right and so you know in this situation where they had to build themselves up from scratch not knowing what was going to become of them and having left all of their families back home their their wives their children their parents everyone that they knew and so when when you think about that patterning showing up in your life how safe do you feel where you are right now and for me it wasn't a case like i had done the mindset stuff i had done lots of healing and lots of different i'd used many different modalities and tools and training and things like that but I, what i was seeing was this pattern where it would be feast and famine feast and famine for me it was she was showing up in my finances as i was trying to grow this business and when i really dove deeper into that it was because i didn't feel safe and that wasn't mine it was this genetic thing and as, I, as that starts to clear up because now i'm acknowledging it now i'm sitting with it it's not what a lot of people are taught in this wellness arena that it's eliminating the the negative it's eliminating that uh shadow i don't i don't teach that way i teach that you make friends with your shadows because within that there is such deep wisdom <laughs> if you're willing to sit with it and yes it's uncomfortable and no it doesn't need to be traumatic and you don't have to relive the traumas or anything but you do get to sit with it and allow it to harmonize allow your body to feel safe through whatever practices you know that allow that safety to come in and you, there's many different modalities many different practices that you you use and one of the things i teach is create your own framework don't go by a particular modality i mean use the tools but make it your own cuz this is going to be so unique to you it's got to be cuz if you think about it your your own lived experience one individual's lived experiences they're never going to be the same as anyone else's 
And then when you layer upon that, your genetic stuff, and then you right. layer upon that, your what what you're creating and how you see the world, the lens through how you your perception of the world, it's going to color and impact how uh, how you're showing up, how you're experiencing yourself, how you experience other people, and therefore, it influences how others um, react and respond. React to, to you, yeah, and 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 such powerful such powerful truth to that because and let's follow that through what because if you've been culturally conditioned to behave in a certain way respond in a certain way make decisions in a certain way choose the kind of partners or people that you hang out in a certain way all of that kind of stuff right spend money in a certain way or not spend save spend if you've got all of that then that's going to impact the way people respond and react to you it's going to be showing up in the relationships that you have with people how comfortable do you feel with people how much for example if you've grown up in a patriarchal family where you've got a very strong male figure and there's that cultural thing the woman stays at home the man's outside it's his way or the highway how much of that then shows up in your relationships with the people that you have how much of it if you're a guy how much of your father's style and culture is now showing up in the way you treat women or you treat your partners, whoever they are, right? So some of these things now mis um, invisibly are now playing out, right? You said, you know, these things are now invisibly shining in your world or showing up in your world. And sometimes they're not showing up in a very good way, but it comes back to what you said. You've got to go and do some recognition. Unfortunately, guess what people do? It's exactly the thing they shouldn't do. They recognize something and then they try and get rid of it, suppress it, push it, get rid of it. You know, we're living in a culture where being told, hey, you're the pharmacist, so you need this, right? We're living in a culture where they're saying, oh, you got a headache? Take some tablets. It's it's all right. Hey, you, you know, you, you're feeling a bit of pain? Rub some balm. It's going to be going away. We're not, we're not trained as a culture to actually sit with it, sit with the emotions, sit with the pain. Ask, the, ask that pain, feel where it is in your body, get comfortable with it, become mindful. Where is it? What is it teaching me? What are you here to do? What is this pain teaching? And, you know, we both do this as coaches, right? We help people to sit in this situation. Where is that pain coming from? And then people get conscious to understand where that pain's coming from. Sit with it. And when you ask questions that are more valuable and meaningful, you get better answers. People are too busy finding these solutions, trying to find answers like, I need this tablet. What tablet? What pain, pain relief supplement can I take? But actually what they should be asking is, what, what questions will help me to learn from the situation. And the more you question the situation, you're, the more you start to question your cultural inheritances and taboos. And the more you question the cultural taboos, the more you can start to, as you beautifully said, start to create your own template, your own modality. Yeah. And you know what it's, you said about asking questions and it's not just asking any old question. It's hmm. the, the right question the right question that's going to elicit an intuitive response that goes beyond your mind, what your mind, what you can intellectualize. This is not about intellectual knowledge. This is about that deep wisdom that we all innately have. We inherently have that. But again, with our conditioning, if you think about, especially the South Asian culture, it's like, respect your elders, people uh, who are older than you, they know more. And we're taught to give our power away to someone else. It's gonna be either your parents or your teachers or your siblings, but it's always someone else. 
And so when you've grown up looking and seeking that validation because no one's taught you, Nobody's... or no one's ever asked you, what do you believe about that? What do you think about this? No, they haven't. That's the thing. Nobody's ever asked that. They've just taken it for granted. They take you for granted. We never asked it, you know, and then we get a whole bunch of challenges and we don't recognize that we're sabotaging our success because of cultural conditioning and inherited um you know cultural ideas and taboos and they are taboos because people don't want to challenge them people are too scared well of course i've got to respect nobody's saying we don't respect elders right that's not what we're saying what we're saying is that when you when you do things blindly and you then you're there's that deference of authority you're giving away your power you're giving away even you're giving away your responsibility if you're saying well it's their responsibility yeah. hey the house the house is the woman's responsibility mm -hmm. really really i mean really just because a woman doesn't have a penis so therefore she, she it's her job really come on well i want to circle back to something else that you were talking about about dealing with your emotions so we have like the, these roles based on your gender and as a man growing up in an indian household how were how encouraged were you to express your emotions I know from my experience, we didn't. Like when my mum passed on, I didn't mourn. I was the eldest. I thought I had to hold it together. And then from that time, and losing my mum, I just realized I got to hold my shit together and I can't cry in front of people. I can't be that emotional. We weren't even hugging. There was the, the hug thing wasn't even there. So we didn't really express ourselves. My dad never really expressed himself. Son, I really love you. I'm proud of you. No matter what you did at school, I'm proud of you. I never got that. You know, son, you did an amazing curry. You cook great. I'm so proud that at 15, you're cooking dinner, working two jobs, studying, looking after your brother, and you're helping me out. Thanks, son. I didn't get any of that. We didn't show emotions. We didn't show appreciation. And that stayed with me for so many years. And that's that's when I'm working with clients. Those are the kinds of things we really need to. And I'm sure you're working with clients on that same premise as well of how do you express your emotions? Particularly, I, I'll use an example for me personally. I I used to question things a lot as a child. So I would be the yeah. insolent one who was questioning, why do the women sit separately from the men in the temple when, uh, our, when Sikhism teaches about equality? Like I would innocently be questioning it, like a genuine question. I thought right. it was supposed to be all equal. So then why is, every, why is there separation? And oh my gosh, everyone would be like, you don't ask questions like that. Don't be so insolent. And so I was the problem child. You right? were so the problem child, yeah. From a very young age, don't question because it gets you into trouble. And so I started to internalize that. I would ask the questions, but not outwardly. I would, I would wonder what's going on, but I wouldn't dare express myself. And then I would get angry because of, you're telling me this thing in this story about right. the good, and then you're doing that. And I'm confused and I'm only a child and I'm getting angry and frustrated. But then I was told good girls don't get angry. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to, you've got to now suppress your anger. And I see it so much in the work that I do, particularly with women where they're told don't express your anger. It's the woman's job to hold the household, to manage the household. And so you've got to be strong and you bow down to the man and and by bowing down to the man it's make sure he never sees you upset because you don't want to spoil his day when he comes back from a long hard day's work 
and you're you're taught this and this is inherited stuff which is doesn't which doesn't even serve i mean there are so many related right now especially in this new economy COVID climate you know in the past five six seven years there's so much role reversing going on there are so many men who are actually staying at home taking care of the house or needing to do so and it's the women who are the breadwinners. so what do you do you, you know as a man if you've been brought up in a culture where that wasn't done now you've got guilt shame beating yourself up anger wait a minute insufficiency right inadequacy mm-hmm. and for some people some men they take it out as anger on their wives because they need to prove that they're the man because that's what their cultural condition told them and they take it out through via verbal or physical god forbid violence mm-hmm. on their partner or they gaslight the hell out of them right mm-hmm. because they they feel that they got to somehow get back and be the man and be the higher position but this is all bullshit cultural conditioning that doesn't serve us now there was a value in that right men are physically generally stronger there's a certain thing that they can do they can play a role to be protector there's a certain masculine kind of steeliness that men tend to have but to 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 make it concrete and black and white and assume that well because of that well men are in charge and women are not well that's a cultural conditioning that messes up so many people and now men don't have the emotional um flexibility to be able to say hey you know what i'm feeling so down i i thought i'm the guy i thought i had to do this but i can see you're doing such amazing things where else can i find value where else can i find fulfillment so i feel that i'm on the same playing field that's quality questioning you're talking about quality questions these are the sorts of questions we want to be asking questions that are asked that challenge the cultural inheritances are questions that will result in better relationships home situations, finances, more well-adjusted children, you know it, amen. I mean, you know, Gia's awesome, right? I don't need to say no more. You know, this is right here. This is what we're going to be doing. Well, I often, I will often look at, Gia's my daughter, for those of you who don't know, she's my seven-year-old, and she has got so much confidence. She exudes confidence. She's really creative, does beautiful artwork. And of course, I'm going to be saying it because I'm her mother, but that why I'm saying it is she has always been encouraged to question things. Mm. She has always been encouraged to tune into her body for when she's hungry, what she what she requires, what she needs. And also, I ask her regularly, what do you think about this year? What would you like to do instead? So when we had this lockdown and she just wasn't up for online learning and we had to get really creative with that, I would ask her those questions like, what would you like to do instead? And it right. was always artwork. It was always something creative. But we nurture that. I'm fortunate that the whole family is on board with that, that we nurture what she finds joy in. And I'm speaking about this because it really does impact how you show up in the world. In the world, right. Freedom to express your creativity at, from such a young age. How many of us have had that? And so we we box ourselves in, as we were saying earlier on in the conversation, these are the tick box exercises. These are the things, these are the milestones. And if you haven't reached them, then you should feel ashamed. I, I did a post the other day and I was like, they use shame to tame you. And if you that think- That is so powerful. That, they use shame to tame you. That's so and if powerful. You think about that. Like, think about just everyone on- the the live session and the recording just for a second think about a time where you felt ashamed or where you were made to feel to ashamed. feel ashamed 
that was you doing something that maybe you enjoyed, maybe you loved doing. And then the shame set in and it contracted your energy because now it's like, oh, I can't do that because that's a shameful thing. Now you have guilt totally. over doing that thing. And so the conditioning is uh, if we keep shaming them, if we keep shaming them, we will condition them enough that they never... They, they, they never... They, and, and this is particularly... And I know that those people who are joining us for this conversation are the pattern interrupts. They are the sacred rebels that are here to do things differently. To do differently and break that generational, that break that generational limitation, right? That's kind of what we need to do. We need to break that general generational limitation. And let's just yeah. throw it in there since we're talking about shame right now. Let's also add in two other components that I think will help everybody who's tuned in onto this live or on the replay. When we've talked about shame, Russ has been talking about shame. Let's also talk about guilt, which goes hand in hand with shame, right? As coaches and as trainers, you and I are, you know, abundantly aware of the guilt and shame that's, you know, ruined our journeys or that's caused us pain in our lives that we've learned from, right? And we've been guilty of that. And so guilt starts keeping up, right? There's guilt that I'm not following what my dad did. My dad did this and this and this, and I'm not doing it. My dad or my dad makes me feel guilty because he did this successful business, but I want to be an artist here, mm -hmm. right? That guilt kicks in now. You've got that cultural guilt. Guilt about having to, to take a certain type of path in your spirituality. Like, hey, I come from a Sikh background. They're an Orthodox Sikh family. Why am I, why I feel guilty that, you know, I didn't do it. Or they make you feel guilty. Why are you not coming to... Gurdwara, but you're going to church, you're going to these spiritual gatherings, that's not what you should be doing. So suddenly that cultural conditioning is now playing out this guilt for you. And guilt, just like shame, are negative emotions. They they suck out energy. And I, you know, you're an expert in this area, obviously, right? They suck out energy. And so it's a powerful thing for us to recognize that guilt and shame show up, but we don't often recognize that that's what's running our decisions behavior choices the way we react and respond to people including our loved ones sometimes and we snap at people like our kids because now we're we're dumping on them we're projecting the cultural conditioning that we got including the guilt and the shame and now we're putting it on our kids we're kind of making them feel bad for what their choices and we're kind of treating them we're snapping at them because they didn't do this or that can you see, folks, you know, if you're tuning in, if a little bit of honesty, if you can afford yourself that honesty, if you can switch off from social media for a little while, YouTube, Netflix, whatever, and just sit with yourself and ask yourself, where am I feeling? Where is guilt and shame showing up in my life? Work life, personal life, relationships, religion, relationship with self. Where is it? When you can start to ask that question, where is it showing up? You can almost do like an audit or in your old career, of course, a stock take as a pharmacist, you can stock take where these things are showing up. And if you can stock take them, then isn't that one of the first steps, Russ, towards making the break and making a difference? Yeah, like, because I said, as I said before, if you can't change what you don't acknowledge. And as you said, we don't recognize that that's shame and guilt. We often think it's like the surface level stuff, right? The anger, the frustration, and all of those things. Those are your key indicators that are telling you you're off track somewhere. But if you are willing to sit with it and go deeper, like what's underneath that? And what's underneath that? Yeah. And what's underneath that? What is the emotion that's really running this? 
shame and Go guilt down. are great distractions. So I say this to my clients all the time. Shame and guilt will keep you anchored where you are and actually keep you, pull you off course from your soul's path. The path that you were truly born to lead, to do, to be here. And that when, when you're moving away from your soul's path, then you can't make connections with the correct people. Because if you think about it, I shared this with my clients one time. If you're walking along this path in a forest, right? And you're trying to look for your soulmate, let's let's say. You're trying to look for your soulmate and you're walking along this path and that's your soul's path. And now you veer off to the left because you've got this shame and guilt stuff going on. So you veer across and then your soulmate comes along on your path, but you're nowhere to be found because you're like on this side road somewhere in the bushes, right? So you miss each other. Right. It's not that your soulmate doesn't exist or your clients no. or whatever it is you're manifesting. It's just that they, you need to come back on track onto your path. Right. So you can cross paths together. Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. Um, and, 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 and to follow it through, and I guess probably to leave everybody with a few tips here, like, like you say, Ross, it's recognizing guilt and shame are showing up sitting with those emotions that show up and asking them meaningful questions, not just any old questions. And I think the other thing, as I touched on before, that I'd like to contribute as well is then forgiveness. And I think forgiveness has three forms to it. Forgive, first of all, forgive your parents. They're just adults. When we put our parents on a pedestal and hold them as this thing, and when we're young, we do, right? And, and, and you know this with, with, with your clients, and I know with my clients, a lot of times when they were children and we were children, we would have to create stories around our parents because if we saw our parents as completely useless people, we wouldn't be able to survive in an environment. So we create these things that, okay, it's not my parents' fault, it's my fault. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe that's why dad doesn't give me praise when I come home with good grades. Maybe that's why mom doesn't give me attention, but she gives my sister attention because it's just something in me. So we've created beliefs in our own head because we've held our parents in this position. So we got to start by forgiving our parents like they're just adults and i think the way to do that is if we just recognize that our parents are just adults trying to do what they could do they've got their own cultural beliefs and their own hang-ups we just kind of forgive them and say right they're just adults that's all they are they're not supreme beings they're not infallible just forgive them so learn to forgive the parents and recognize they're just adults you'll release a lot of the and i know you know this you you're passionate about this. you release a lot of that negative energy it's it's out then you've got the second part of forgiveness which is forgiving the people around you and the situation around you right forgive the situation forgive the people around you there are people who may have hurt you you learn to forgive them and say that look they were teachers in your life if you can reframe how they mistreated you that ex-wife that ruined you that bully who hurt you at school whatever it is that the abusive father if you can kind of forgive them and say well they were a teacher in my life for some reason if you can find a way to forgive your people or the situation like the way you lost your last job or whatever that's going to release more energy and then the third thing is forgive yourself because hey we talk about this all the time you got to forgive yourself because you know we're always evolving and we're not perfect as you said we're all works of progress we're all 
works of art that are constantly being refined and beautified in our life. And if we can find a way to forgive ourselves as well each time, every time, because forgiveness is not a one-time thing. We're going to be constantly forgiving ourselves throughout our life. If we can do that, now we've released those three forgivenesses will release so much trapped energy in that guilt and shame that that guilt and energy shame can go and that anchoring that you said, that horrible anchoring that, that ties us down. Now we can free that to do something. Something yeah. more something more divine, right? I love that. Yeah. <laughs> divine, sacred, something more. Respir yeah. You Finish us out, man. You take us there. You know what we should, what should we be doing when we do all these things? What happens then? What well, we I'm going to try and sum up everything that we've said. Um, so the first step is acknowledging and recognizing. I would say that, like, sit with yourself. Give yourself that gift of time, nice. distraction-free time to sit. And it may be uncomfortable, which is why it's so important to do this. If you're not a self-motivated person or you're finding it difficult or you don't even know where to, to go, do it with in the presence, in the energy of someone that you love and you trust and who can hold that space for you. Hold that space. That is so important. And I like I have clients saying to me all the time, oh, yeah, I have a really supportive husband or wife or my my uh, friends are really cool. And yeah, that's all good. And if you have that, then, you know, thank your lucky stars, because there are a lot of people who don't. And at the same time, are those partners, your friends, your close family members doing the same level of deep inner work as you are? Because if they are, oh, cool. when your stuff is surfacing, and it will, when it's surfacing, it's very easy for them to start judging you and criticizing you because they don't understand what's going on. Right. And so it's so easy for someone who's started the process, they think they have that support, and then they slide back into that cultural identity so easily. It's really, really important that you are in the space of and presence of people who are doing the work themselves, who understand and who have the capacity to hold that space for you. So yeah, that's, that's one powerful. of the things I would say. Then the second thing is identify what your unique traumas are. Where is that internalized oppression showing up for you? Yeah. What is Recognize that it. for you? Because it's going to be different. It's going to look very different for everyone. This is why if you've ever heard me say, <coughs> you've seen my page or anything, I keep going on about creating your own unique manifesting style. There's not a one size fits all with this process. Like you said, you create your own modality, as you said earlier. Yeah, and it's for yourself. It's not even a modality for you to teach other people. This is so personal. It is created for you, by you. It's a framework that you live by every nice. single day. But it's got to work for you. It's got to work with your unique energy flows. It's got to honor the way your intuition speaks to you, which is different for everybody. Powerful. It shows up differently. It's also got to honor what your desires are. Like, what are your desires? And this is the, the final piece that I'll say. Are they even your desires? <laughs> or are they culturally inherited, or, right? And taboos. Have, and... You, have you convinced yourself that they're your desires because that's Boom. what you should be doing? That's because what everyone's been projecting on you. Boom. And you think that's your path, right? Because if that's the case, you're going to be challenged to 
put the energy behind that thing and right. make it happen. So when we're talking about creating lasting and sustainable change, which this is the conversation we're opening up today, it really has to do with how are you maintaining that energy on an everyday basis yes. such that it can get embodied. So it's not done at the level of your mind alone. You can do your mindset work. You can do all of all of have all the affirmations and stuff, stuff like you said, right? Yeah. And that can help. But if it's not embodied, In the if you haven't anchored that energy, if you haven't really got behind that desire and forgiven yourself. So that's like the add on to create that energetic space within you to receive and be in the state of receiving, then good luck. And it's got to start. It's got to start so much. Hey, folks, thanks so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And as with all our episodes, found something to inform, inspire and empower you in your personal and spiritual journeys in life. As always, feel free to leave a little love for your ratings and comments, subscribe and share it with those you care about. And take your personal and spiritual evolution to the next level by joining us on one of our unique events, workshops or retreats or taking advantage of our personal and professional coaching packages. Find out more about us at mantratherapy.co.uk. I'm your host, Prash K. This is Urban Spirituality and we will catch you on the next episode.